An interesting psychology study was conducted with prisoners serving time in the south of England. Psychology professor Constantine Setekides and his colleagues gave the prisoners, most of whom had committed violent crimes, a list of nine positive personality traits and asked them to rate themselves on each in comparison to two groups, average prisoners and average non-incarcerated community members. The traits were moral, kind to others, trustworthy, honest, dependable, compassionate, generous, self-controlled, and law-abiding. Want to hear something interesting? Not only did the prisoners rate themselves as superior to their fellow inmates on no fewer than eight out of nine traits, they even thought they were superior to average non-incarcerated community members. The one exception? According to Setekides, strangely, they rated themselves as equally law-abiding compared to community members. This study is one example of how blind we can be to the truth about ourselves. For years, I was blind to the truth about myself and the amount of baggage I carried everywhere I went. Throughout my childhood and into my teen years, I collected stuff. And everywhere I went, I carried that stuff. Lots of stuff. If you had met me at 20 or 25 years of age, you would have thought I was one of these guys who experienced an easy life. Confident, smart, well-dressed, articulate, yet underneath all the veneer was an insecure, scared, depressed, anxiety-ridden young man. And I was blind to all of it. It was nearly impossible for people to get close to me because the bags of stuff around me took up so much room. I was convinced everyone would hurt me, so I refused to let my guard down. I wanted to be fully aware when you stabbed me in the back. I wanted to see the knife coming toward me. I didn't want the pain of the blade to be the first thing I experienced. But I was blind to all of that. I carried bags labeled absent father, only child, disappointment, sexual abuse, rejection, poverty thinking, spiritual confusion, fear, anxiety, anger, unforgiveness. And on June 23rd, 1990, Lana walked down an aisle at her family's church and married me. And that evening, I carried every one of those bags to our car, loaded each one, and headed off to our honeymoon with them in tow. And slowly over the next few years, I unpacked each bag and poured the contents all around the new home and family Lana and I were building. But I was blind to all of that. Now, if we could travel back in time and you could sit down with me and ask me about my bags, pick any one of them, read the label, and inquire about the contents, I would have given you a long, detailed spiritual answer as to why that bag is not there. I would have said something along the lines of, what bag? When I gave my life to Jesus, he took care of that bag. I'm no longer controlled by its contents. I'm free. If you would have become more detailed in your questioning and said something like, Scott, what, what about your absent father? Is that an issue in your life? I would have said something like, you know, I don't think so. I mean, it might be an issue for a lot of other people, weak people, I would have meant, but it's not really an issue for me. I live by faith, and I trust God to take care of those issues. I was blind to all of it. These bags were as much a part of me as my eyes and arms and lungs. In fact, those bags were so much a part of me, I never actually set them down. I carried them with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I carried them to bed, to breakfast, to work, to church, everywhere. They were present during conversations with friends, during meals with family, during movies with Lana, and during sermons on Sundays. 
When Lana married me, she married all my bags, and I was blind to all of that. And to be honest, and to my embarrassment, it wasn't fair for her. She had few bags. She grew up in a secure, loving, peaceful home. Not perfect, but so much more balanced and healthier than mine. But I carried bags of hurt, doubt, disappointment, questions, confusion, lots and lots of bags. And I couldn't see any of it. My guess is there are a few of you whose inability to see your own bags is ultimately why your first marriage ended in divorce or why this current marriage is struggling so much, and why you've lost friends, and why you don't get along with many people, and why your kids don't respect you as they should. For others, it's not you, but the blindness of your spouse. He can't see his addictions, his fears, his pain, or why your wife, sir, never feels secure. It's why no matter how hard you've tried, you, you no longer have friends that you once had, not because of your blindness, but their blindness. That, that one girl, she couldn't get over the jealousy, the unforgiveness, the envy, and it slowly tore apart your relationship. Now, this message is not about the details of your past. That's another message another time. And it's not even about the details of your bags. That, that's another message another time. What I'm here today to discuss are the details of what makes you, you. You see, your past, your bags, and a list of other things and experiences make you who you are. And that is interesting to me. And as I've said before, you, you walk down the aisle with Mr. and Miss Potential, but you live with Mr. and Miss Reality. You become friends with Mr. Funny Guy, but you have to maintain a friendship with Mr. Angry. You dream about a successful business partnership with Miss Goalsetter or Mr. Big Dreams, but you have to do business every day with Miss Procrastinator or Mr. Liar. But we are ignorant to ourselves and to others, and we get into friendships with people, enter into business partnerships with people, go on dates with people, marry people who have no clue who we are, and we have no clue who they are. And the ignorance of ourselves and others is killing us. Listen, all healthy, thriving, joyful, life-giving relationships are based on a solid foundation of connection. And the fastest route to connection is what? We talked about it last week. Healthy communication. But once connection is built, it has to be maintained, nurtured, through what most people never think through or take seriously when it comes to relationships. Here it is. Self-awareness. A pursuit of truth, a commitment to honesty about yourself and those with whom you are in a relationship. Here's what I know. Most of us are self-ignorant, and we are ignorant about our spouses, our friends, our colleagues. We're simply unaware of who we are, what makes us tick, who the others are, what makes them tick. You are not who you say you are. People are not who they say they are. And we assume things that aren't true. We interact with people based on our false assumptions. And although we established a good friendship with someone, our lack of knowledge, our ignorance of ourselves and others slowly erodes the relationship. I know because I hear things and I've said things like this. She lied about me. I can't believe it. I thought he was my friend. I never thought they would do that. She said she was happy, but obviously she wasn't. I can't believe I lost my temper again. For whatever reason, I'm just not at peace. You hear that? I hear it. 
pervasive ignorance about ourselves and those with whom we are in a relationship decays our connection. And scripture is filled with counsel to understand ourselves, to be honest about ourselves, to admit what's true about ourselves. One of the telltale signs of a maturing person is he or she is most aware of who they are. 1 Timothy 4, 16. This is an advice that Paul the Apostle gives to a young pastor. Focus on working on your own development and on what you teach. If you do this, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Romans 12, 3. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. It's all about thinking. It's about understanding. He goes on. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. Galatians 6, 3. If anyone thinks they are important when they aren't, they're fooling themselves. Proverbs 20, verse 5. Advice comes from the deep waters of the heart. Those with understanding can draw it out. Ephesians 4, 22, 23, 24. Change the former way of life that was a part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image and justice and true holiness. Do you notice the theme? Don't be ignorant about yourself. Pursue truth. Be honest. And it takes work. Discernment, humility, and transformation to be honest. It is difficult to become aware of the strengths and weaknesses of ourselves and others. And it is rare. Because transformation not only requires work and patience, it involves pain. And that is why most of us remain ignorant. It's just too hard too uncomfortable, too high of a price to pay. Anthony DeMello in his book, Awareness, writes these stinging words. Here's a quote. The chances you will wake up are in direct proportion to the amount of truth you can take without running away. How much are you ready to take? How much of everything you've held dear are you ready to have shattered without running away? How ready are you to think of something unfamiliar? We fear truth. We are scared spitless to discover who we really are, who our friends really are, our family, our neighbors, our BFFs. People are capable of the greatest achievements and the most horrible atrocities. If we knew the truth, just how beautiful and ugly we all are, we would stop wasting so much time doing so many trivial things. I'm convinced we would probably fall in love with more people and buy extra locks for our doors all in the same week. We are a confusing breed, I'll tell you. All right, here's how I'm going to proceed. I want to provide you three blind spots, why we remain ignorant of ourselves, and then provide one action step we could take to help us gain a little more self-awareness. And I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and a question to ask that will help you gain insight into who you really are, okay? All right, first, three blind spots. First of all, we are blind to what we know. We form opinions about our abilities and skills based not on hard data, actual outcomes, but on how we feel about our abilities and skills. It's it's the kid in the neighborhood who is convinced he is amazing at basketball until he plays with real basketball players and then he realizes he's not so good. 
It's the girl whose family tells her she can sing until she auditions and the judges tell her the truth, ignorant about what we know. It's the husband who thinks he's kind and gentle and loving to his wife when he is actually rude and rough and ignores her. It's the wife who thinks she is merely honest but actually whines and complains and is never satisfied. It's the friend who thinks he gives and loves equal to the rest of the group, but is actually selfish and takes more than he ever gives. We are blind to knowledge. That's the first blind spot. The second blind spot, we are blind to how we feel our emotions. Let's begin this section with a question, okay? On a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with life today? I'll give you a moment to think that through. On a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you with life today? All right, let's assess this. Did you answer based on how you feel? Or did you evaluate your life based on facts? In other words, will you eat today? Will you have a place to sleep tonight? Do you have transportation? Do you have a job? Do you have a family? Well, then factually, you should be happy. But let's be honest. Did you answer this question instead? What mood am I in right now? Here's what's interesting. Most people think they answer more rationally, more logically, more factually. But research shows we answer more emotionally. How do I feel right now? And here's the danger. We evaluate and make decisions based on emotion without realizing it. We are ignorant to our emotions. We are unaware of how our emotions are affecting our decisions. It's why we convince ourselves to date Mr. Funnybone rather than Mr. Character, or why we have an affair with Miss Hottie rather than remain faithful to Miss Committed. The third blind spot, we are blind to how we act, our behavior. We can't see our own behavior. We justify and rationalize and excuse we can't see our own body language, facial expressions, rudeness, selfishness. But interestingly, we also think we do worse or look worse than others because we can't see our own behavior clearly. I can't tell you how many times I was convinced my Sunday message was confusing, disjointed, boring. And people would come up to me at the end and say, hey, that was great today, Pastor. And I would be like, did you hear the same message I presented? It's called behavior blindness. Or we leave the office Christmas party and think, wow, I acted so goofy, so stupid, so ridiculous when I met all those new people at the party. And then our spouse or friend says to us, no, you were great. You were funny, kind, smart, behavior blindness. Or we interrupt our wives or husbands while they're talking, embarrass our kids, show partiality to someone we are flirting with, and we can't see it. Yet others see it immediately. We are blind to how we act. So put together the three blind spots, blind to what we know, blind to how we feel, and blind to how we act. Can you see how easily we can become unaware of ourselves? It's why our marriages fall apart, yet we remain confused as to what happened. It's why friendships fall apart, and we're like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. It's why relationships fail, and we're looking for someone else to blame. We are blind. Honestly, it's why I could not see my baggage was negatively impacting Lana. I couldn't see my depression. I couldn't see my sarcasm. I couldn't see my rudeness. I was unable to see my selfishness and impatience. For years, I was blind. 
So Scott, what do we do? I mean, how do we peel back the scales from our eyes and so we can see the truth about ourselves? How do we become self-aware? Well, that is a series in and of itself. Books have been written answering that one question. Hours of counseling and years of pain, to be honest with you, are required. But I can't give all that to you today. So I'm going to give you one word, okay? One crucial word. Feedback. Feedback from God and from others. The people around us can most often see what we can't. So we must surround ourselves with people who are committed to telling us the truth, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We need friends who will knock us down if necessary, who will say, hey, you're rude, you're being selfish, you're not thinking clearly. And friends who will boldly say, hey, you're doing great. No matter how badly you feel about yourselves, I'm proud of you. You cannot develop self-awareness by yourself. It's impossible. We are blind to so much. So I want to give you a prayer to pray and then a question to ask, okay? Here's the prayer. It begins in Psalm 139. Here's what the psalmist writes. Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. Even from far away, you comprehend my plans. You study my traveling and resting. You are thoroughly familiar with all my ways. There isn't a word on my tongue, Lord, that you don't already know completely. You surround me front and back. You put your hand on me. That kind of knowledge is too much for me. It's so high above me that I can't reach it. And then at the very end of Psalm 139, there's a prayer. And this is the prayer that I want you. I'd love for you to memorize this prayer. Write it down. Get your Bible and and read it out loud, maybe every day for the next week or so. And here's the prayer. Examine me, God. Look at my heart. Put me to the test. Know my anxious thoughts. Look to see if there is any idolatrous way in me. Then lead me on the eternal path. What a prayer. Can you imagine if we prayed that every single day? God, test me. God, look at me. God, search me. God, let me know what's really on the inside. Why? Because, God, you know what's really there. I'm blind to my emotions. I'm blind to my knowledge. I'm blind to my behavior. Show me what is really underneath it all. Imagine if we prayed that every single day and we listened and we sat quietly and meditated. I think God would show us some things that maybe right now We're just unaware of present. Now, here's the question. I want you to ask this question. This is you asking this question. Are you ready? What's it like to be on the other side of me? That is a powerful question. But listen, you cannot answer it. You have to ask those closest to you and get their honest feedback. And that is tough. Ask your wife, "Um, what's it like to wake up with me every morning? Ask your friend, what's it like to come home to me? Or excuse me, ask your husband, what's it like to come home to me every evening? Ask your friend, what's it like to have me as a friend? Ask your kids, "Um, what's it like to have me as your mom? What's it like to have me as your dad? 
Ask your family, what's it like to have dinner with me, uh, to celebrate good news with me? What's it like to raise kids with me? What's it like to grow old with me? What's it like, ask your business partner, to build a company with me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? That's a tough question. And then listen to the answers. Listen to what your husband says. Listen to what your wife says. Listen to what your friends say. Listen to what the people closest to you say about you, your behavior, your attitudes, what you do or do not know. So here's the assignment as we wrap this up. I want you to pray that prayer now, and then I want you to ask that question later. I want us to pray the prayer before we dismiss here, and then when you get home or sometime this week, I want you to take that question that I gave you, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And ask your wife, ask your husband, ask your kids, you know, change the wording and ask your friends around you, get some feedback from God and from others. We've got to become self-aware because if we are not aware of the truth inside us and how we actually are, the relationships that we've formed will not stay nurtured. And then they're not nurtured over time, they decay and fall apart. You want the ingredients to healthy relationships? Communication, self-awareness. They're absolutely crucial. All right, join with me now as we pray that prayer together. Father, you know everything there is to know about us. You know when we get up, when we go to sleep, you know our thoughts, our motives, our desires. But Father, we're blind. We think we know more than we actually do. We're, we're unaware of our emotions and how they affect decisions that we make. We're unaware of even our behaviors. We think we act kindly when we don't. We think we're acting rudely when we're not. Father, we're ignorant about ourselves and we're ignorant about those around us. Examine our hearts, examine our motives and speak to us. Show us the truth about ourselves. And Father, we'll also take this question and we'll ask those closest to us, What's it like to be on the other side of me? And collectively, with what you say to us and what those who love us and closest to us say to us, we can form a little better insight, a little more self-awareness, so we can have healthy, joyful, life-giving relationships all around. Thank you for this truth today. Thank you for bringing us into freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.